welcome once again to the Apocalypse Podcast, the podcast in which we eat an entire pig piece by piece for your listening pleasure. I'm James Bellotti, and of course, as always, I'm joined by Chief Taste Tester Sam. Sam, ni hao! Ni hao, James. That's, uh, that's Mandarin for hello. Sure. <laughs> Sam, before we get talking about this week's cut pork, remind me, our pig was called Bebop and he arrived at our flat all those many months ago. How much did he weigh? So when he arrived back in May 2020, he weighed about 100 kilos. And if you were to go and look in our freezer right now, how much would you say is left? I think we're down to five, five to ten kilos. We're on the home stretch. Yeah. I think we've been saying that for about five podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel now. Yeah, there's more other meats than pork in the freezer at this stage. Now, one thing I have learned throughout this challenge is that not all cuts of pork are created equal. Some, like the belly, the shoulder, you cherish them as they're flumped onto your plate. But others, like the cut we're going to be talking about today, you rightfully approach with a sense of apprehension. Sound, which cut is it? We will be talking about the face. Bebop's face. That is right. We're going to be talking about the face. This is the window to Bebop's soul, his means of expression. Oh! (laughs) It's, uh, it's the part of an animal that's kind of easiest to anthropomorphise. Is that the right word? Anthropomorphise? Yeah, it's little face. Yeah, it's where they see the humanity in the beast. Sam, do you remember how happy he looked when we went to go and visit Oh, him? James! <laughs> yes, I do remember how happy he was. Well, that's because Red House Farm is an organic soil certified farm for all your organic meat needs. <laughs> And how did you feel after we got Bebop and saw his skinny little face lying flat looking right back at you? Oh, it's kind of grim, wasn't it? (laughs) It actually isn't the most pleasant of cuts to look at. Let's talk about the science of pig faces. Pretty much like every animal, the face is where the food goes (laughs) in. It's where squeals and noises come out. Like every animal, Bebop had a face. (laughs) Exactly, like, like all animals. It does, and it has to move that face around a lot to, to, for the eyes in, in the direction it wants to see. <laughs> Same thing with the ears, it's got to move. move oh, wow, around. this is so science Yeah, bit. yeah, this is pure <laughs> pork science. Uh, and what I'm trying to say is that there is an awful lot going on in a pig face. And as a result, there are literally dozens of small muscles in there. It's not just like a leg, which kind of goes backwards and forwards and left to right. This, this does a lot of different things. And so it's a very complicated piece of meat. There are a lot of muscles in there. So you're not... Nearly, but not quite oh, too many for me to name. <laughs> Off you go then. Oh, I'm glad you asked. We've got the mentalis, the buccinator, the depressor, <laughs> labis inferiori, the masseter, the sternoidus, the sternocephalicus, the zygomaticus, the depressor palpebrae inferioris, the lavator labi superioris, the levator nasolabialis, the caninus, the orbicularis oris, to name a few. Oh, interesting, James. What's the buccinator do? It buccinates, man. It does the buccinating. What do you think? Well, I think actually it's the major facial muscle underlying the cheek. And it holds the cheek to the teeth and assists with chewing. Okay, no, that is a fact I didn't know. Wow. <laughs> Always learning even during the actual recording process (laughs) of the Apocalypse podcast. Uh, When we first defrosted and opened up the bag of face, I was pleasantly surprised 
and the amount of meat on pig face. It's not all gristle and fat, it's gristle fat. Oh, but it looks so much like a rolled out face, didn't it? It did, but there's a good amount of muscle in there. And all those muscles, while they may be small, they have to do an awful lot of work relative to their size. So we're talking about hours of chewing every day and squealing and yelping. And so that means tough muscles. Tough muscles need a lot of cooking to get tender. Mm, But we also put the cheeks in, didn't we? And cheeks are quite a nice, they're meant to be a really nice cut. So we could have done something different with them, but we did decide to include them in this recipe, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, if you think about a face and you think about where the meat and the muscles would be, you would think that the biggest muscles are in the cheeks. And I'm pretty sure that was the case with ours. Our butcher took the cheeks off because it's actually quite a uh, common, luxurious cut, uh, pig's cheeks, which you can just cook on their own and they work great. Yeah, that would have been tasty, wouldn't it? Um, But we decided (laughs) to go full head. We? Did we decide to do that? Well, we've had this head for a long time. We've known... I quite wanted to eat the cheeks separately. I thought that would be nice to try them. Well, maybe on the next pig. Well, I'm just starting to take away any sense of responsibility for this recipe we're about to talk about. (laughs) Okay. Well, the recipe we're about to talk about... If you Google what to do with a pig face, the main thing that comes up is what's called head cheese. Sam, you love cheese, don't you? (laughs) I do love cheese, James. But as you well know, head cheese is not a dairy product. Please do not go out buying head cheese thinking that you're getting a dairy product. That is what it's called. But it's really like a cold cut terrine, which is where you melt down, mmm, sounds delicious already, and congeal the head fat and the skin to form a kind of aspic, which is kind of like a gelatin, right? It's Mm. like um, what in the oldie days, lots of royalty used to um, have loads of their food set in. Right. Do you remember we went to Brighton Pavilion and there was like this big menu and all of this different stuff cooked in aspic. Larks, tongues and aspic. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's one of my favourite albums by a band called King Crimson. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But then anyway, so you form this aspic and then you scatter through it like chopped up cheek meat and tongue and different bits of the head and if you ever order pig's head terrine in a restaurant then that's head cheese pretty much anywhere you can get pork you can get this it's sometimes known as brawn you might have heard of that yeah, particularly heard of in like brawn. england and australia yeah pretty sure my parents call it brawn but your parents are scottish right right so they apparently call it oh god they might be offended by this potted heed they would love that accent they yeah would, they would think <laughs> got glaswegian spot on so in Scandinavia, of course, they pickle it and serve it with pickle, beetroot and mustard. In Serbia, they stuff it into a pig's stomach along with the heart and kidneys to make a sort of haggis spin-off, which mm. is then smoked for several days. In South Africa, it's flavoured with curry. In Vietnam, it's a traditional New Year snack flavoured with fish sauce, black fungus, scallions, ginger and garlic. Great. Sounds, sounds like sounds delicious. Sounds like quite a lot of food in Vietnam. And then... Apparently, in St. Vincent's and in Barbados and the Caribbean, it's called souse. Mm. And it's very specifically eating on Saturday mornings. Right. Wouldn't you want this for brunch on a Saturday morning? What, as opposed to like an Eggs Benedict or something? Yep, no smoked salmon, bagels for you. Just a slap of head. (laughs) Head cheese. And in Trinidad and Tobago, it's served at most social gatherings, including but not limited to parties, fates and sporting events. Wow. It's versatile, isn't it? Is it though? Is it just that it's used in lots of different places? But <laughs> yeah, they used in lots of different circumstances. Maybe not like, you know, some of the other cuts that we've done where if you cook it fast, it will go one way, or if you cook it slow, it will go another, and therefore it can be used in different styles. Uh, but it's more like, oh, 
Yeah. It's a, it's a party time. Let's get the head cheese out. Or, <laughs> oh, it's a Tuesday night. Night head cheese. Well, yeah, I think it's maybe more, more versatile than we might have given it credit for. You know, it is a tried and tested method of cooking a pig's head. So after lots of research, what was the recipe you chose? Basically, this was the only recipe that I could find for pig's head, which wasn't a variant on head cheese. And I just thought it would be fun. So it's called Porchetta di Testa. It's an old Italian recipe that came from westcoastprimemeats.com. The link is on our website. First, you have to completely debone the head. And we gave our butcher pretty specific instructions on what we needed, which was basically to keep the entire face as a single intact sheet of meat and skin. Uh, kind of like leather face from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, it really did look a bit like that. And the idea is it's like a rolled deli meat. So you, you, you rub both sides of the flesh with a load of curing salt, flip it over, put in the tongue, some cheeks, smear the whole thing with a ton of garlic, lemon zest, chilli, fennel seed, rosemary. Leave that in the fridge uncovered for two days to let those flavours infuse. And then, as I say, you roll it up like a jam roly-poly. Tie it, vac seal it, and cook it in a sous vide water bath for 16 straight hours. Now, <laughs> after you, as you do. have cooked it for 16 hours, you let it cool, put it in the fridge for another 24 hours to help the meat form as one, and voila, you have porchetta di testa. You say it's not head cheese, but it is a kind of terrine as well, isn't it? Well, you're with the... With the head cheese you're sort of dismantling the head and putting it all back together whereas this stays as one piece i think that's the difference like when you see it rolled up it is unmistakably a a pig's head and then after it's been in the water bath for 16 hours it it looks more like a deli meat there are distinct layers of fat and meat in there which which give it like a porchetta look most porchetta you get it when you go down to your deli will be loin or something like that and it, it looks like that, but mm-hmm. it, but it's it's in many ways so much more. Now, as we say, this being the Apocalypse podcast, we don't do things that are easy. And uh, this recipe was definitely made all the more difficult by the fact that we own neither a vacuum sealer or a sous vide. So sure, why wouldn't we choose this <laughs> recipe? <laughs> well, we managed to make it work by wrapping in about half a centimetre of cling film and then simmering it in Le Creuset in the oven which, after a bit of experimenting with the thermometer, it worked quite well, actually. Sam, when it came out of the oven, what did you think? Well, it didn't look amazing when it came out of the oven, did it? Because that's not it in its finest form. I think we were pleased the inch thick of cling film hadn't, like, leaked, weren't we? And it, it looked cooked. <laughs> it, it did. I mean, they say the first bite is with the eye. However, I was really hit by this, the smell, which was very fatty and fennelly and then there's a sort of like a big inch layer of jelly that forms around the outside of the head which is just like the gelatin leaking out like it did in the in yeah the, but in i think when, when things are sous vide anyway they don't look totally cooked do they they do they are cooked but they don't look like you expect like pork cooked pork you expect to be um like either have fat on top that's gone all nice and crackly or has got like a browned colour so this was not that it was not that no it looked the opposite of being cooked (laughs) it didn't look raw I mean it wasn't pink but it was sort of gone more orange but it didn't look you know browned like it obviously hadn't had any contact time with the pan you know yeah so what we're saying is that it did not look appetising when we first cut into it what did you think I thought it looked like it had good layers I, I think I hadn't ever really seen this, you know, this recipe like in a deli or something. And you were 
really excited about it. So I could see why you were excited because it did have good layers and you were able to cut it really finely like you would get like deli ham. So pleasantly surprised that it looked quite meaty. It looked like sort of 70% meat when you cut across, which prior to cooking, it looked more like 50-50, maybe 60-40 in favour of fat. But obviously all that had rendered down into the meat and it had become like alarmingly soft, like pate soft, I would say. It's like <laughs> having four kilos of, of pate in front of us. And I was expecting more knife resist, you know, resistance under the knife when I pushed it through. And it went like that. Kind yeah, of, well, that should have been a little bit telling for what, what was, was a, about to happen. Yeah, when we tasted yeah. it. The first way we served it was in a Cuban press sandwiches, which I wanted to do for a long time. How did that go? Well, we probably set off the fire alarm using the griddle pan, as normally happens with these things. Of course. I really liked it. Yes, it was fatty, and most of the fat seemed to kind of had rendered into the meat but also then rendered into the like the bread when we toasted it as well i think didn't you add cheese as well which was so unnecessary so rich so rich so so rich and yeah you're right it basically melted into the bread like a like if you, if you put cold butter on bread and then heated up the bread and just let it drift it that's what happened and i mean we tried it in cold sandwiches as well which was better texture wise uh, there's a strong hair of fennel though, and it's still crazy rich. I mean, really. Yeah, but you're a bit funny about textures, aren't you? I am, which is why the next thing that we did with it, which was the big bowl of ramen, that was great because it was a bit like we're trying to replicate chashu, which uh, is like a it's a sliced uh, Japanese meat. They usually make that from loin. Yeah, it's normally just really thinly sliced pork, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I liked it in the sandwich. The cheese was a bit much, and it's not often that I will say that. And I really liked it in the ramen too. I'm not a huge fennel fan, and I didn't find it, it was that overpowering for me. Well, I think it was more that it added to the creaminess of the broth, the leftover from the trotters that we talked about it last week. And it just made the whole thing taste meatier. The texture was made easier for me, because we had some, some chewy noodles and bean sprouts and crunchiness in there. Okay, but you felt like when we had it with like the crunchy bread, it didn't do that for you? No. Okay. No, it did not. And finally, we made some game pies. Ooh, delicious. Yeah, so the game pies, pheasant, grouse, a bit of venison, and lots and lots and lots of pochetti di testa in a thick gravy covered in a short crust pastry. So there are really, really good deals on game out there right now. Yes, I told you about it. All right, all right. <laughs> Why don't you tell us now? Well, I will. Thanks for involving me. Um, so, yeah, there are, um, because of lockdown and lots of restaurants that normally purchase game haven't been able to do that and particularly in the case of venison it's a countryside management issue as well there's just a whole ton of game right now and it's really good deals and it's in season and it's a super good time to be buying it so we had bought lots of game because you know we're running low on pork and we need to feel have some other meat on the go and so we were able to use some of the porchetta de testi, testa, 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 porchetta di testa, and create a thick gravy to go alongside the game pie. And you made some short cross pastry from scratch, I, I did. believe. I did, and then there's you know pheasant, grouse, a bit of venison. Yeah, watch out, bake off. The finished result, I loved it. I know, but we ate a whole one, didn't we? Indeed, and then I violently vomited. <laughs> Sorry. Very, very shortly afterwards. Was that a coincidence? 
Well, I think it might have had something to do with the fact like, that you did have an entire pie to yourself, which was very rich and very fatty. And then what did you eat for dessert? I followed it up with a homemade spotted dick. And a homemade custard. Yes, it's not like it was a low-fat day. No, I the... was having a very retro day and <laughs> yeah. I wanted a very retro dessert. And so I ate, like, an absolute ton of the stuff. Yeah, so I don't think we can blame the poor Cheta Detesta. And I think we can blame the game pie or the spotted dick. I think you have to blame you putting it all together. I wasn't sick, I was fine. Well, <laughs> Sam, would you recommend buying a pig's head to a friend? Are they a real friend or a frenemy? <laughs> well, this is my next question. Would you recommend it to an enemy? Well, I liked it more than you, I think. I don't think I would buy a pig's head again or recommend anyone buys it. But if I was in an Italian deli, and I saw it on offer, I would buy it to go in a sandwich or buy it a sandwich that they were making. So I'd eat it again for sure, but I don't think I would make it again. On the off chance that at some future point in your life you are saddled with another pig's head or face, what would you do differently next time? Well, I think that reading about the different ways that they make head cheese and all the different um, preparations around the world, I think I'd be really interested in doing some of those like i think the way that they make it in the caribbean sounds quite interesting it's you know water and lime and cucumber and hot pepper and that's probably what i'd do how about you would i buy it again i think i would definitely buy the cheeks again because they are the prized part of the head a whole face is a lot to deal with you know we don't waste anything here at the apocalypse podcast i mean if, if we did leave out all these grisly bits it would make for a less interesting podcast and so I am glad that I will never, ever have to cook a pig's head again. But uh, nonetheless, I would buy parts of the pig's head, namely the cheeks. I think if we were in a restaurant and we saw a type of terrine that was made from this, I'd give it a go to see how other people do it. Mm, and I'd have it a bit of yours. <laughs> Marks out of ten. I'm going to give it six. Six is high. I would, I'm surprised you've gone six. I liked it. I wasn't violently ill after eating it. I'm giving it 4 out of 10, which is, I would say it's high for something that is vomit-inducing. In you, not in me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which brings to a close yet another edition of the Apocalypse Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. Oh, guess what? What? I've just found something out that I think our listeners will be really interested in. Right. Um, there is a horror movie called Head Cheese. <laughs> came came out last year. <laughs> really? Yeah, it came out. No, 2019 it came out. Read me a plot synopsis. Okay. Richie Ramone finds himself stuck in a small town okay. called Darkmarsh. All right. Alongside a veteran sheriff and his deputy with an itchy trigger finger. The town is run over by flesh-eating trolls. Where, where does the head cheese come into it? Uh, Do the trolls I'm, make head I'm cheese? doing some live research. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I cannot find any reason why it's called head cheese. And I guess much like actual head cheese, it's quite deceptive in that there is no dairy in head cheese and there is no head cheese in the film Head Cheese. Yes, that's a great note to leave it. <laughs> Definitely rate, review and subscribe. <laughs> 
brings to a close yet another edition of the Apocalypse Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So you can get in touch, find recipes, and more episodes at apocalypsepodcast.com. Join us next time on the Apocalypse Podcast. But once again, we'll be eating pork like pigs. See you then. Bye.